You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 38, James Gunn News and Disenchantment. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Andy Petrie. Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 38 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello. So, uh, some news came out this week about James Gunn. He yeah. did finally have his meeting with Alan Horn, who's the head of Marvel Studios. And he and his representation talked to Alan. Kevin Feige uh, was out of town, and he couldn't be a part of this meeting, so probably getting an idea about where this meeting is going but they mm. the meeting was described as very professional Good. and friendly uh, however he has decided and Disney has decided that they're going to stand behind their decision to keep James Gunn off of directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 so he is mm-hmm. officially off of the project now it does look like that they will still be using his script, however. Okay. So Dave Batista may still be a part of the uh, movie. So, okay. but as far as directing it, he's done at this point. So. So, uh, do you have any hopefuls of who you would like to see step into those shoes? Everyone says uh, Taika Waititi, and I I can't argue that. Of Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, I mean, if you've seen Thor Ragnarok, then you know that it's very similar in tone. And they brought Thor into a Guardians of the Galaxy type of mood. And I think that he would be really good at it. And there, there's probably some other directors out there that could do this. I think Taika Waititi would probably be the person I would think to, mm-hmm. to do it. But I will say this, because I started to look into a few things. Now, we talked about last week that a possibility that... James Gunn might get a payoff of like 7 to $10 million, and it looks like that's going to happen. He's going to get a little bit of spending money to walk off of this project. However, I noticed going to Sony's website and looking at their, because I had heard a rumor, and I checked their slate, and on their slate, unnamed James Gunn horror project. So he's going to be coming out with a horror movie at Sony. Now, the rumor says that this movie is going to be out in November, and I'm thinking probably not. I mean, that's not an awful lot of time. Like to, this November? Yeah, and it doesn't Maybe sound like... Maybe 19. That's, that's exactly uh-huh. what I'm thinking. But what I found fascinating about this whole thing is this is coming out from Sony. And if you think about it, Sony, uh, don't they have a situation with Marvel Studios where they're doing Spider-Man together? Yeah, it would appear to me that James Gunn is getting a little bit more from Disney than just a little bit of money. Because, of course, Disney and Marvel Studios has his working relationship with Sony. It was strange it was Sony to begin with just because of the fact that James Gunn's never worked with Sony before. He's done horror movies. They've usually been through Universal. But I have a feeling that maybe part of this... I'm not going to say settlement because I don't think this was something necessarily that James Gunn and his representation was pushing for. But I think Disney was saying, hey, we've got this relationship with Sony... We'll use that to get a project greenlit for you, which is not going to be any real sacrifice for Sony, I don't believe, because they are wanting to get into the horror genre. Definitely, if you see the trailers they've been doing for Venom, it definitely has that horror element to it. And James Gunn, 
his horror movies, although, again, they've not been huge blockbusters like Guardians of the Galaxy, but you wouldn't expect them to be, they have still been really successful. So he's really good at both writing and directing. Some of his first jobs in Hollywood, you know, was as a writer. If you've seen the the remake of Dawn of the Dead, of course, he wrote that. Of course, he wrote and directed Slither and the Belko Experiment. So he's really good in that genre, the horror genre. So it does appear to me, I would say, that Disney was working with Sony to get a deal and get a movie greenlit for James Gunn. So even though it is a real disappointment that he's not going to be a part of Guardians of the Galaxy, at least in a directorial aspect, it looks like his script's still going to be used, even though, of course, when you bring a new director in, they're going to make changes. It's just the nature of the beast. But he will still have some sort of a role in the new Guardians film, and it looks like he's going to still be working as a director, and we should see something a little bit different, but certainly James Gunn-like in the <laughs> near future. So, I mean, that's certainly a plus. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to get that out of the way, because mm-hmm. there was something I wanted to talk to you about. Because, and we discussed a few things in previous podcasts about a Comic-Con, but there was a trailer that came out of Comic-Con that caught my interest. It was a new project by Matt Groening, Mm -hmm. and and we may have mentioned that on the podcast. I don't recall, but I saw this basically a television show that was that Netflix was going to be coming out with that Mm -hmm. Matt Groening was producing and working on called Mm -hmm. Disenchantment. And yeah, you could tell right off. It was like, yeah, that's Matt Groening's work. You you know right away. Oh yes, Mm -hmm. it's definitely a Matt Groening work. Mm And the theme of this show involves a young woman. It's a medieval fantasy realm. It's like what he did for science fiction in... Futurama. uh, Exactly. Mm -hmm. He's wanting to do with Disenchantment, and he's wanting to do a fantasy. And when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But I noticed that you have this main character who's not ridiculously over-glammed. She looks like a... I mean, as much as a cartoon cartoon character can look, she looks like a a human being. Mm Mm-hmm. She seems to have a really nice mix of being very competent at certain things, but also very young and naive about certain things and, you know, the ability to make mistakes and learn along the way. Mm -hmm. But the clincher for me was I noticed in the background, of course, there was a lot of the medieval kind of instruments and it sounded like, you know, medieval music in the background. But I recognized the tune immediately as Rebel Rebel. <laughs> I was like, Diamond oh, dogs. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, David Bowie. Mm. Of course, the minute I heard that, I'm like, I have a feeling that this might be right in <laughs> Mandy Petrie's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. This is good. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't had a chance to watch it. Now, it's it has now come out on mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yes, uh, it came out on Friday, and I haven't had a chance to see it. But I understand that you have. I have. So. <laughs> What did you think? Well, you know, I love Matt Grennan, Treehouse of Horror, every year. Just love it. Now he has the Holy Trinity. He has Simpsons. He has Futurama. And now he has Disenchantment. Looking at the three, it's definitely, at this moment, the bronze medal, but it's still the bronze medal of adult-themed cartoons. This is top-notch. You will love it. And I I do. I love it. I can't say that it's better than The Simpsons just because The Simpsons have had so long to develop. But again, the longest-running TV show. So you know this guy knows his stuff and he's doing stuff right. I like it better than The Simpsons, but again, it's uh, kind of geared toward me, and I I really do love it, and yeah, the princess, she's got buck teeth, and the kingdom makes fun of her for her buck teeth, and she talks about them herself, 
and all the the little side characters, you know, just like you have in Futurama, and it, it's it's really good. And you know, there's a demon named Lucy who follows her around, and he's, he has some of the funniest lines ever. And her dad, the king, has some great, really funny lines. See, at first when I saw the trailer, I thought this is going to be a princess. She's going to run off and have adventures and run away from home. Well, that's not what happens. She stays at home and she takes her responsibilities seriously. She does make a lot of mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there are elves, there are demons, there are giants. Yeah, it's very much a fun Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy. And yeah, you need to go on and check it out. I can't remember were there 10 episodes, either 10 or 12 episodes. And yeah, I believe there's, yeah, I believe that there are 10 episodes from what I understand. Now you were talking about Lucy, Mm -hmm. the, the demon, which I'm assuming is short for Lucifer. It is spelled L-U-C-I. So mm-hmm. I, I it doesn't fit. say it for sure, but and I was surprised to find out that 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 character is voiced by Eric Andre. So people mm-hmm. who are a huge fan in the Eric Andre show on Adult Swim, I thought it was really interesting that they they brought him in. Some of the names of the voice talent caught me by surprise. I guess there's a character maybe in one episode, or maybe more than one. You can tell me, uh, mm-hmm. Stan the Executioner. Yep. Yeah, played by Noel Fielding, which I'm a huge fan of Noel Fielding, hmm. through the Mighty Boosh. Oh, I never watched it. So. Well, I'll, we will fix that for you, because <laughs> it's some great, surreal, weird comedy. Not as surreal as Noel Fielding's luxury comedy, which mm-hmm. happened afterwards. But yes, a very weird cat, a very unique individual. His comedy is amazing, and not like anything you've seen. But like I said, I'm a huge fan of the Mighty Boosh, so seeing that he was involved with this series certainly piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I will definitely say, like I said, I've not seen any of these episodes, but you have. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, because I have seen some reviews from the episodes, and a lot of what I'm hearing is it's a really slow start. It doesn't really come out of the gate that good. I I mean, a lot of people who've maybe seen the first couple of episodes, they've not really been that impressed with it. Now, I can see that. Yeah. In fact, what I've been hearing a lot of people say is really it takes about episode eight before mm. it really starts cooking. Okay. In fact, one of the reviews that I read was, and they had only seen the first seven episodes. They had gotten them early because they were a reviewer, mm-hmm. and they got episodes one through seven, and they watched them, and they're like, oh, this really is not for me. I don't mm-hmm. think that, I, I don't really like it. But then after Netflix came out and they were able to watch the last three episodes, suddenly their review changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see that. It's actually a series that, you know, takes time, and you build up a love for all these other characters, and that's kind of important. But, you know, this is, as far as I can think, this could probably be Matt Grennan's first binge-watching show. Because right. up until now, he's had weekly syndication with Futurama and The Simpsons. So he could still be in that vein there, but you get to know a lot of people and you get to care about them before the stakes get raised. And it does end on a cliffhanger, a pretty big cliffhanger. (laughs) So get in there, check it out, get through the first couple episodes and just realize that it's really good. Well, yeah, one thing I definitely noticed about Matt Groening's work is You can certainly see this in Futurama. I know that first season was a really slow burn to get things going. And they had their missteps to the point where Fox took them off the air and then they wind up in Adult Swim and then they get popular again. I mean... And the Comedy Central picks them up. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then 
and then Fox starts, you know, and it was because same thing happened to Family Guy. Mm-hmm. It took it a while to find its audience, mm-hmm. and oh, Big Bang Theory did the same thing. It wasn't until you know the reruns and the syndication happened that people started then weekly watching it. Yeah, so it sounds like what you're saying the same thing. A lot of other people are saying is that if it doesn't feel like it's your cup of tea right off the bat, give it time to get cooking, and once it does, it, it should be pretty good. Now. One thing definitely about Futurama is there's a lot of references, hidden kind of references yes. in the in the show. And I was wondering mm-hmm. if Disenchantment's the same way, yes. there's anything that you've noticed? Oh, yes. Uh, there are great, great shop signs. Fantastic. Um, the one that comes to mind is Little Orphan Annex, <laughs> where you can buy orphans for whatever you need to use your orphans for. Like I said, when I first saw the trailer for it, I thought, oh, Mandy's going to love this. Mm-hmm. So I'm believing it was 10 episodes, and you've, and you've seen all of them so far. Mm-hmm. Did you basically binge them? Did you watch them, like, one after the other? Or? Um, Not not in one setting, no. Uh, I think, you know, a couple here and there when I could catch them. Yeah, but I finally ended up getting through them. So I, I know you that you labeled this the bronze medal. Mm-hmm. What is it about the show you think that could probably imp- be improved, maybe Maybe the next season will be improved. Well, it's or? just that we don't have enough of it just yet. Me personally, I mean, there will be people who will who'll fight and argue over the gold medal being Simpsons on Futurama. For me, it's Futurama because I've watched a lot of Simpsons, loved it. I've never cried at the Simpsons. I've cried at several, several episodes of Futurama. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a good story. It's stuff in the first season pays off in the very last episode. So it's really, it's such such a good show. So. Right. Well, I- and I'm a I'm a huge fan of Futurama myself, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things that you talk about, I'm pretty sure I know what episode you're talking about mm-hmm. as far as Futurama, where you, you probably cried, and mm-hmm. there may have been a dog involved, we'll yep. just say. Mm-hmm. Not one the only one, though. There oh, is yeah. plenty. There are plenty. There are more. But yes. the thing about that, of course, is that you don't get those moments until you have your characters firmly established. Mm-hmm. And... Ten episodes at this point are probably not enough to do that. Yeah, and it's the same, you know, argument that you get between the English office and the American office. And it's like, well, was the English office better than the American office? Well, we didn't get enough of the English office, so we don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the American office was better simply because we got more of it. Yeah. If I could have got those same sort of things with Ricky Gervais's character and uh, Martin Freeman's character, as much as I got from Krasinski and Carell, I would have liked that. Oh, I, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- given enough time to create a backstory, but also... Just to get to a point where you really care about these characters. I think once we get some development in mm-hmm. these characters, you're probably going to be able to do a lot more with them and certainly explore Bean as a character. Her main motivation at this point is to be independent and to be able to figure out who she is as a person mm-hmm. outside of everything that's pretty much expected of her. Right. So now that you've seen the first season, without going into a whole lot of spoilers, what are you looking forward to in, in the next season? What type of things would you like to see hmm. happen? At this point, uh, there are other kingdoms that we haven't seen. I would like to see those. We've really seen maybe three, I would say. We've met people from other kingdoms, but we haven't seen another kingdom. So going out, seeing the rest of this world... And seeing the other creatures that live in it, that's what I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. Certainly with this type of a genre, you can explore a ton of things. Mm -hmm. You look at Lord of the Rings. Just having Middle Earth as a backdrop of being able to explore characterization, it's a huge epic story. And... 
Disenchantment, for basically being a cartoon, also has that ability to be epic. Mm-hmm. But again, it seems to me, from just seeing the trailers, to me it looks like Disenchantment is less about talking about an epic story with a plethora of all kinds of different characters. They're more interested in a smaller, more personal story, focusing on a handful of characters, mostly focusing Bean and her journey to basically come to a place where she's the person she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some pretty heady stuff for a cartoon. Of course, at this point, I think a lot of us, especially are fans of different animated series, I think we've realized a long time ago that the cartoon medium is an amazing place to discover story. I mean, you can go back as far as the early 90s and Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. It's more than just some cartoon about Batman. This series brought a lot to the Batman mythos. And of course, a lot of what we kind of take for granted these days about who Batman is and his backstory and a lot of his rogues gallery, people don't realize that it was created in the animated series. I mean, right. ob- the obvious, of course, is Harley Quinn, but also the uh, backstory for Mr. Freeze, the right. whole thing with his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that all came from the animated series. And so with Disenchantment, you have this real opportunity to develop some very interesting story Especially for someone who has been doing this for a very, very long time. Matt Groening has an amazing talent. Mm -hmm. But it makes me wonder this. With all the seasons of The Simpsons, now at this point, the longest running animated series, probably one of the longest television shows on, Mm -hmm. on television. And, of course, all the work he's done with Futurama. I have to wonder what it is that he feels like he's not been able to say before that he created Disenchantment. That he felt like, I've said all this, I've done all these episodes, but there's something left for me to talk about. And Mm. I think that Disenchantment is going to be the medium to do that. I really wonder. To see where he goes with this is going to be interesting to me. I'm I'm really fascinated to see how this develops. And Mm -hmm. just on your recommendation alone, I say, I'm going to have to check this out myself. Check it out. Yeah, definitely will. And so, with that, we come to the end of episode 38 of the Geek Watch Podcast. Tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.